Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, yes, people, Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Hope you guys are doing well. Uh, we certainly are. Um, thank you so much for all your feedback on last week's episode on Automatic for the People. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, off the back of the REM, slightly uh, different tone to this week's one. We're talking about Prince's Love Symbol album. Uh, it's a lot less serious than last week's one. This is kind of uh, a bit more full of dick jokes uh, like we normally go. I hope you're not disappointed, really. With the, no, one's, no one's putting any emotions on the line at all here, really. It's just a load of shit about uh, Prince's record. Um, normally, before we record, I would put out something on Twitter ask people to get in contact, let us know their thoughts. We didn't do that on time for this one because the uh, recording came up on us quite quickly. Um, so I put it out today, so it's going to include a couple of people's thoughts in this intro here. It's going to be a little bit difficult because I can't comment on whether we agree or not because I don't want to do spoilers for the episode ahead. But I'll read a couple out and you can kind of see what you think anyway. So first of all, uh, I Will Die Before You on Twitter. Got in contact. Sexy motherfucker. What a track. Features an amazing Levi Cesar Jr. guitar solo. And how many songs have the word motherfucker in them so many times? Not motherfucking many, I'll wager. Rest of the album. Hmm. Well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, apart from a bit about the word motherfucker in songs because I listen to a a lot of gangster rap in the 90s and uh, that's pretty much every word in that genre but yeah thanks for getting in contact really appreciate it uh next up uh friend of the show miss disorderly uh this is the last record i got at the time of release i thought it was okay but the quality control was suffering from so much output i thought it was better that we break up as friends if you see what i mean uh in the back catalog i've been doing uh since no gigs i've found some pretty good prince records but i still feel like i made the right decision Bought it home on vinyl, played it like, uh, okay, sexy motherfucker, my name is Prince, seven, damn you, good, the rest, middling. Really want to comment on that, but I can't. Um, Martin Young, not the first record where Prince finally softens his resistance and embraces hip-hop, that was Diamonds and Pearls, but the one where he does it best. A really underrated and fascinated record, seven is in his all-time top ten songs. Again, really want to comment on that, Martin Young. I really want to tell you what I think. Uh, the one thing I will say is saying that uh, he embraced hip-hop uh, on Diamonds and Pearls suggests you're su that you say this is a better record than Diamonds and Pearls and you are not accurate in that regard. And that is the most spoilers I can give. But then again, I do particularly love Diamonds and Pearls. Uh, what else we have? Highly underrated album from the Herd Collective Her, uh, on Twitter here. Seven is the bomb. Prince is a bit creepy in the interview bits. I mean, Prince, uh, th there's a lot of problems with Prince being creepy related to this record that we'll get into in the podcast. Um, certainly not limited to the content of the record. However, um, you know, we're going into this. I'm a massive Prince fan. Krista is not a massive Prince fan. Likes the hits. Uh, so we're going to have it. We're certainly coming at it from different perspectives. I hope you enjoy it, though. And I think we like, we had a blast recording it. Um, I mean, there's some outtakes in here that you're not going to hear that we really had to cut out. Uh, but yeah, like I say, if you're new to us and the podcast, we really love it when you guys get in touch. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, we will be back again probably in two weeks. I think that we're on a two-weekly schedule at the minute. But yeah, thank you for listening. As always, guys, we'll catch you next time.
Yes, yes, people. It's Dave Fensom here with another episode of Pop Collaborate. And listen, I am joined, as always, by Mr. Christopher Greer. Hello, everybody. Uh, and Mr. Waffles Dog is... Uh, he's just left the room, actually. Yeah, he's he's, he's about, though. We've got Spooky the Cat in here, who is not a co-host, but will probably uh, get rid of some of the allegations of misogyny that I'm sure are being thrown about <laughs> left, right and centre in this troubling age of ours. You'll probably hear a loud purring at some points because she's just very happy. Yeah, she's a very lovely cat. Hello, Spooky Cat. Right, so uh, thank you so much for all the feedback on last week's episode, the REM episode. That was, uh, yeah, we were interested putting that one out, and uh, the the response was really kind of it was lovely. Yeah, it was it was lovely, man. A lot of people got in contact like personally via message by DM and email. Uh, we're still coming back to a few people on those ones. So if you have messages and we haven't replied. I apologise, just very, very busy at this moment, but everything's been read and we really, really appreciate everything that you sent through. Uh, it was really nice. And yeah, we're back this week to talk about uh, Prince's love symbol record, yes, right? Yes, I suspect this isn't going to be quite as deep a conversation as and we you had never last know, time. Man. Well, I don't know your relationship with this album, that's very true, but there's uh, a lot to get through in this one. This is a big old album. Well, this is, yeah, yeah I mean, this is Prince's 14th studio album. Yes. And uh, let's, I'd say at this point, he had probably proved anything he needed to prove, and there wasn't anyone on the planet that was going to tell him to edit himself. No. Well, that's a, an impossibility with Prince. But the whole thing about him getting pissed off at the record label in the following years after this was them telling him, look, would you mind slowing down, not putting so much music in front of us, because we cannot keep up with this sort of release schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why he got annoyed and did the whole name change thing. Yeah. But it is definitely it's a testament to his profligacy that this is another ridiculously long album immediately almost after Diamonds yeah. and Pearls. And let's not forget as well that uh, recorded by and large whilst on one of the biggest world tours he ever took place the in. The Diamond and Pearls tour, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I was at, I mean, I've mentioned here before, I was yes. I was at the Diamonds and Pearls tour. I was at one of the uh, Earl's Court gigs, uh, one yeah. of the first gigs I ever went to. And he was playing songs from this. He was already bringing in the yeah. set. Uh, the man is, or was a force of songwriting. Yeah. Um, I am definitely on the side of thinking that everyone could do with some editing, and Prince definitely could do with some editing. Whenever we went through that Graffiti Bridge yeah. album, there were definitely times when I was thinking, someone should have said, don't do this one, maybe skip that. And like you say, it was impossible for anyone to do that to him because he didn't care what people thought. Well, well who knows, Krista? Maybe this is going to be a succinct 18-track, <laughs> hour and 15 minutes of pure, unalloyed genius. Absolutely. Everyone a banger. We can but hope. Right, so yeah, in, in terms of where we are in the year, we're getting towards the end of 1992 now. This was number one for one week uh, from the 11th of October. Right. So the week after REM. Mm-hmm. REM was only, only number one for one week. This took over, uh, but only for one week before there were three weeks afterwards of Simple Minds Greatest Hits being yep. number one. But it means that that brings us, you know, kind of into November, like too, right mm-hmm. towards the end of the year. And like you said, it was the 14th studio album. It was his second one with the new Power Generation mm-hmm. as his backing band. Yeah. Which I admit at the time, I wasn't even aware that that was a big deal. You know, I didn't realise that this was a, a big thing amongst Prince fans that he'd got different bands. Yeah, that he'd, I mean, you know, the, losing the revolution. Yeah. You know, that he'd recorded all of the classic albums with. That was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was kind of a testament to changing sounds and changing moods, I think, at the time. But this was actually the last record he recorded that's co-credited to a band until like, for a few years later when he put out a live album. Oh, is that right? With New Power Generation. Yeah. Oh, I see. Everything subsequent to this, 
uh, was basically just put out as Prince or, or as Love Symbol. The uh, artist formerly known as, yeah, etc. whatever, whatever. Right, I see. I didn't realise that either. Okay, so this is almost their last big... Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, the, the, you know, the new power generation were a live presence for a long time yeah, anyway. Sure. But, it, you, mm. know, it, you know, but when you, to be honest with you, when you look at the writing credits on this album, mm. sharing credits with anyone really was a little bit of a, you know, was, was a nice thing to do rather than something he had to do. This album, like we said, was only released a couple of years after Diamonds and Pearls. Mm-hmm. Diamonds and Pearls didn't get to number one in uh, in the UK, which is why we didn't cover it. No. But this did, but it is definitely the case that Diamonds and Pearls was the bigger album of these two. Yes. This didn't sell as well. It still, still sold well, but Diamonds and Pearls was huge. Diamonds and Pearls went triple platinum in the UK, double platinum in the States. This one, uh, it only went one times platinum in the UK, and it didn't even reach platinum in the in the States. Oh, okay. So it was a much lower selling album, but that's partly also because of what it is as an album. This yeah. the whole concept of the thing is a bit strange. It's not just here's a pop album. Prince as well has taken it upon himself to write a soundtrack for a film that he wanted to release, mm-hmm. and this is that soundtrack. It's like it, it is a rock opera. Yep. Essentially, um, the story that we're going to be going through is that an Egyptian princess uh, falls in love with a rock star prince and trusts him with a religious artifact, which is the three chains of Turin, also known as the three chains of gold. Uh, and during her escape from Seven Assassins, she gives that to him. Um, and then it's all totally normal. Yeah. And then Prince decides that he's going to take revenge on those assassins and kill them. Yeah. And so it's this adventure story. Who wouldn't think that was perfect fodder for a pop album? Presumably you've seen the original Evening with Kevin Smith, where he tells his Prince story. I have, yes. Where, yeah, where this is prime. Prince lives in Prince world. No one tells Prince things are a bad idea. No. It is what it is. I mean, he's basically, you know, the Donald Trump of <laughs> of music. <laughs> and fucking God strike me down for having said such a horrible thing about fucking Prince. Yeah, my God, that is God the worst, worst thing you could say. Yeah, so... Uh, have you seen the... There isn't really a final version of the film. It was released on a straight-to-video thing in 1994, but it's essentially just a lot of the, the pop videos that yeah. he made for this album interspersed with a couple of little bits in between. Have you watched it all the way through? I, I like never that? watched it. I, nah. The thing is, right, for as much of a Prince fan as I am, mm. I am by no means an obsessive completist when it comes to Prince because there is too much to digest. Sure, right? yeah. Where I stand on Prince is everything up to this point, all of those albums I pretty much love in some ways and I Up have to and including Diamonds and Pearls yeah and you know uh, this marks the chunk the start of the chunk of print stuff that I'm not as familiar with because just by virtue of when this record came out mm-hmm. it marks a big transition in my life it marks me leaving school going to college and as we've discussed ad infinitum in this podcast there is a lot going on musically at, oh at yeah, there's the seismic changes in the music world yes and so before this before this record came out, the idea that I wouldn't buy it was pretty much unthinkable. Mm-hmm. But I never bought it. I was going to say, did you? Have, you didn't no, at the time, and, right? And when, I, and when I went into this record, I was fairly sure I had it on tape, listened to it a few times, and wasn't really that into it at the time. Mm-hmm. Going back into it, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff on here. I'm like, I'm not sure I ever heard this. Oh right, so entirely possible so this did pass you by. This I've gone into this as a fresh record. Okay, pretty much. So I, okay. I have probably no, I have. 
you know, with the exception of some of the singles, I have no more of a relationship with this record than you do. Oh, I say right because I've never heard this album before yeah. at all. Um, at the time, I didn't give a shit about Prince. I remember some of the singles and thinking, not for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't investigate any further at all. Yeah. But it's not like I had any past with Prince like you did that would even make me think maybe I should for for old times' sake. Yeah. I didn't have that. I just skipped past this entirely. Um, the only other thing I want to kind of get into before we kick off is um, one of the people involved with this record is a woman called, and I think it's going to be called Mate Garcia. It's M-A-Y-T-E. I think that's Mighty. Mighty um, Garcia. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah, well, I, I, I'm going to fucking Google a pronunciation. You do that. Um, so at this point in 1992 was part of the new power generation. She went on to marry Prince uh, for, they were married for about four years. However, there is a bit of a weird... The backstory of how she got into uh, his life is a bit strange and comes up a few times in in this. So I just want to lay down... This is what I've read on basically Wikipedia and various articles. In 1990, she was living in Germany because her dad was in the army. She was born in America and then they were in Germany in 1990. There was a Prince gig going on in 1990 and Matey was a dancer. She was doing ballet and stuff like that. She was doing belly dancing. And her mum passed one of Prince's entourage at this gig a video of uh, Matey's dancing. Maite, we're going Maite? Maite's dancing. And apparently within 10 minutes of him receiving this video, he invited Maite backstage at this gig. At this point, she's 16, right? Yeah. And her mum has given her her the tape and ushered her in to go backstage with Prince. Mm -hmm. So far, mm, okay. Uh, And then... They kept in touch after this. Mm-hmm. When she graduated her German high school age 17, Prince became her legal guardian. Right. She moved over to, back to America from Germany. He set her up with a house. Yeah. Uh, when she was when she turned 18, she was invited to join the new part generation. Mm-hmm. And when she was 19, and then this is the quote, when she was 19, Prince instructed her to get on birth control, thus beginning their sexual relationship. Nice. Uh, and then they married in 1996, divorced in 2000. Mm-hmm. But essentially, that sounds like a grooming story. Um, without a doubt, it does. Yeah. It's, this is not a good. This is not a good story. <laughs> it's not nice at all. And there's a lot of lyrical mentions towards this as we go through the Indeed, record. That's what made me think. I wonder, you know, what the, all this is about. Right, but, but, we'll but, you know, in... but you know who she ended up with after this? Tommy Lee from Motley oh, Crue. Yes. Yeah. She, yeah. Well, two uh, larger than life characters there. Anyway, yeah. Well, that, that will definitely. Come up, I think. With are, you some about, are you talking about Tommy Lee and Tommy Lee's penis? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honk. <laughs> Literally, if you've seen the video, yeah. honk. That, that uh, scared me. That is, I fucking. Uh, I saw that video. I, when I saw that Pamela Anderson and Tommy uh, Lee video, I had no idea penises got that big. It was kind of pre-big internet, wasn't right, it? Sure, I was yeah. Like, I mean, I've seen much bigger penises now, but fuck me, I was like. <laughs> Tommy, I, I had a conversation with myself. It's like, hang on a minute, which one of us is normal? You're right, <laughs> mate. If, I think if you're ever going to compare Tommy Lee to normal, and on any particular facet, he's never going to be normal. Oh, that is yeah. true. Okay, so we always start off with the album cover. Okay, yes, the album is is kind of unnamed, really, because it's true. it's called it's known as Love Symbol, but mm-hmm. it's it's an unpronounceable symbol, which which would be the symbol that Prince would adopt as his his name whilst he was being mental and trolling yeah, uh, Warner. Um, I mean, it's basically a still from the Seven video, essentially, isn't it? It is. It's a still from that, and then the symbol itself, which is 
uh, an amalgamation of the classic male and female symbols over each other. Yeah. In almost in the in the shape of a cross as well. We mentioned in the in the Graffiti Bridge uh, podcast, didn't we? Uh, he had the earring in the uh, Graffiti yes. Bridge uh, movie, uh-huh. which I watched. So you didn't it's fucking have to. Bad. Um, so yeah, okay. It's not a great album cover, I don't think. No. No, uh, to be honest, I think it would have been better if it had just been the symbol over almost like a blank canvas. Yeah, and, and that's what the... If, if you look at the um, versions of it that came out, which, which had the slipcase, mm. that's what it was. Oh, Pur- was it? Purple background, gold right. symbol, and it's a better looking it's a better looking record. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's fine, but, you know, it's not a great album cover. No, it's not. Uh, obviously, it this was the first time that he had really pushed that symbol as part of his branding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would, like you say, he became that as a name, that as a moniker, and they had to, the record company had to send out floppy disks with that on it so that uh, people could yeah. print it in their papers. But it wasn't, at that at this point, it wasn't him going, this is me now. Yeah. Uh, that was a year later. This was just a thing that he, for his album that he's calling his album. But, yeah, it's okay. I kind of do like the chutzpah of making people fucking jump through hoops so they can cover him. Like, we're being like, like, you know, being on the other end of the spectrum from like, oh, I, I used to have to beg you to cover me. And right. now I'm going to do I'm gonna do this shit and you're going to have to run around you're after have me. To. Yeah, that sounds like Prince all over, really. Yeah, well, there you go. Certainly this era of Prince. Sure. Um, okay, we're going to have to march through some of this because it's 18 tracks and we yes. don't... Yeah, I mean, we can't have a kind of a, a three terabyte download on this podcast. God no, good lord. No, there are some that we're going to have a lot less to say about than others, so we'll crack through. Okay, so right, so track one, right, opening track. My name is Prince. Mm-hmm. And this was the second single from the album. It was released just before the album release. Yep, and it got to number seven. I remember this. I remember this coming out, but I remember it in uh, a kind of a don't-give-a-shit way. Look, man. That is a slapping banger straight away. This is a good... Yeah, I like this beat. This is really full-on in-your-face. Just bam, bam, bam. Right. That, that is a great beat. It's straight in. There are, there are some problems with this song, right? Mm-hmm. There's some terrible lyrics in this song. <laughs> yeah. Right, and there is a... I mean... There is a rap which dates it incredibly. Yes. And you know, you know, there's elements in this this track here. You can, you know, the the thing that it draws the most comparison to is that Teddy Riley produced uh, Michael Jackson album that we talked about. Oh, of course, yeah, you know? sure. All right, yeah. And you know, there's a big rap in the middle of it, which is uh, uh, fucking uh, Tony. What's his Tony name? M. Tony M. Yeah, Tony mm-hmm. M. is a mar- member of the uh, New Power Generation. He's uh-huh. kind of the rapper, uh, and it's uh, you know, it, it's that kind of syncopated like very very fast syncopated style that was kind of fairly popular around that new jack swing era it's got a bit of that heavy d kind of sound to it Uh, um and you know like at the time when this song came out you know i was already at the point when i thought that shit was a bit played out and a bit right you know yeah yeah but come on i'm doing i'm listening to nwa and i'm listening to public enemy listen to kind of stuff that's been inspired by rakim and that stuff is Uh, it's different you know you know it's not that it's not the the kind of the deep flow it's just no you're absolutely right it isn't it's not any of those things but on the listen to this i got to the rap it's like four minutes into the song and i got to the rap and i was like you know, this is. I thought this would be much worse. I thought this was all right. Oh, it's technically very proficient. Yeah, right? and, and, and I nice like it. it. I like it more in retrospect than I did at the time. At the right, time, I right, thought sure. it was straight up fucking whack. Yeah, and like in retrospect, I'm like, okay, this is it. It, it does anchor it 
in t- in a certain time point in a way that indeed you know even some of prince's most 80s output is a bit more timeless okay sure know? yeah even like purple rain which is such an archetypally 80 song mm. it's still more timeless than this song because of the rap and the the production i mean this yeah. sounds like uh an early 90s swing beat tune with a bit of balls behind it yeah absolutely yeah, it really absolutely. does absolutely which is and there's nothing wrong with that but it completely dates it to yeah. that time period it's a capsule but I think this is a great mid-era Prince single mm-hmm. it's a you know I'd want to hear this live I danced when it comes on I'm fucking grooving I'm having a good time right sure this is this is what I want from this era of Prince music it, if you'd said to me 10 or 15 years ago oh you, my name is Prince is a good Prince single I mm-hmm. think I would have told you don't be a dickhead that's you're talking about your arts when you look at good Prince singles you're looking at the big classics yeah. and that is just something totally different because I would have been I hadn't heard it in years, and I'd have been a bit snotty about it. Yeah. No, I'm like, yes, this is good. It's not a great Prince single in in comparison. If you put it in, you know, right, here's your top tier shit. Yeah. But as a good single, it's a lot of fun. If you've spent your entire life eating at Michelin-star restaurants, Mm -hmm. okay, your top ten meals are, you know, going to be ridiculous 500-pound meals, right? But... It doesn't mean a KFC bargain bucket is not a good meal. No, you know? you're absolutely right. This is not the ultimate era of Prince. Okay, no. We have to accept that going straight into it. But in terms of what he's doing, bearing in mind as well, you know, we haven't even mentioned that, as with a lot of Prince stuff, he's played pretty much nearly every instrument on yeah. this fucking record. Yeah. You know, the, the stuff that other people are doing is really you know, kind of for live or, you know, things like kind of like baritone saxes and Indeed. things like that. Indeed. You know? um, tell me this as well, because I don't know Diamonds and Pearls. Yeah. Had he already started down this kind of path? Because this is a big hip hop beat and there's a rap in it. Yeah. Had I he mean, started doing that in yeah, the previous there's, album? Yeah, there's, there's, there's bits and pieces that, that allude uh, mm. to that. So yeah. it's not his first foray no. into hip hop stuff? No, I mean, he's, I mean, he's all over all kinds of genres oh, yeah, throughout. Yeah. But, it, um, I know Get Off, obviously. I mean, obviously, there's... there's but, you know, in, like the the last record, which is Graffiti Bridge, there are mm. kind of... There, there are a number of bits like that in well, the, Yeah, there's Bridge. definitely some... Who, who's, who's the little kid rapper they had on? Um, that was... Kevin um, something? Uh, yeah, Campbell. Campbell, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so the, uh, to me, that, that definitely had the big swing beat stuff going on yeah. in Graffiti Bridge. This is... For me, this is him trying to be a bit more upfront, just hip-hop. And so I wasn't sure if he'd done that sure. before. Sure. I think he's paying attention to what's going on in mainstream hip-hop more than he's paying attention to what's going on in underground hip-hop. Oh, for sure. You know. Yeah, that's true. To a degree. But, I mean, uh, I've, there, there is a really notable exception that I'll, we'll, we'll come to later fine. in this. But in terms of this whole song is that hip-hop braggadocio. It's, yeah. it, you know, my name is Prince and I am funky. It's just him laying out uh, his his case before you straight away first track I'm the fucking best yeah by the way have you heard of me I'm Prince I'm amazing and he is oh he is I totally is there are some very silly lyrics like you say it it goes over the top at some points but with context of what we've already said uh-huh. you know I mean he's not leaving this town until he's got your daughter yeah. I mean let's I know that's that's I mean that's evidence it really is because that's what he did in Germany yeah. <laughs> He took that daughter away. And, there's, you know, I don't think he does well in saying the phrase funky fresh for the 90s. I don't think that suits him. But he says it. Yeah, exactly. One and of those things. Well, but, there you, you go. Know, there, a lot is, of people are trying different things on. This, I think, is a great first track. Perfect. Yeah. The the piano intro at the, at the very beginning 
uh, reminded me of another song. Um, don't know if you remember, Bob Seger released uh, back in like 78 or something, a song called Old Time Rock and Roll, which was made oh, famous yeah. by Risky Business, yep. uh, the Tom Cruise film. Old Time Rock and yep. Roll. Well, yep. the, the it's got a piano intro very similar. Ah, yeah, yeah. It just does that. It's like... But then, very different. Um, yeah, I just like whenever the, the Prince thing came on, I was like, oh, "Hold on, has he sampled oh, that?" It's, it's, not, it's not a sample; it's just him doing. Yeah, but he's also, he's also got the the samples at the start, which are from his old songs as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's that was a nice thing to do. Proper old ones, like seventy eight, uh, eighty one, yeah, like controversy. Kind of yeah, and, yeah, some other bits. Well, one thing I do want to uh, d- discuss here, because like you said, the, there's a rap by Tony M yeah. of the New Power Generation, and. I don't think it, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of the other ones. Like for instance, when we saw on the um, New Kids on the Block one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whenever they tried to do rap or they got a rapper in, and it was just that CNC Music Factory, that sort of nonsense. I don't think it's as bad as that at all. I think it's quite fun this one, but I just it's one of these things that always amuses me whenever I see rappers with names like Tony M. Right, this is not the worst case of it because Tony isn't a particularly uncool name I mean there's a, there's a whole kind of R&B group that were called Tone, Tony Tony well indeed so, Tony's fine it's alright Tone Loke Tone Loke fine but I just think that there are definitely some rappers with really shit names who I think shouldn't include their names but what they've done is they've just put an initial after it and think somehow that makes it cool Warren G Warren G yeah, exactly Warren G, yeah. Rodney P Rodney P yeah. Rodney Rodney yeah. Percy P yeah. yeah, exactly. This sort of thing. And you know, fair enough, not uh, a rapper, but Eric B. Mm-hmm. You know, th- if someone said to you, I've got this new fucking hip hop crew. Oh, who's in it? Oh, it's uh, Rodney, Warren, Eric and Percy. Yeah. Right? That sounds dreadful, mate. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I mean, let's not forget uh, Andre, uh, yeah, Lorenzo, well, Eric. Yes. Uh, indeed, but the thing is, they didn't just... Wait, O'Shea? Easy E didn't go for Eric E. No. You know, he had the sense... To go, all right, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna fucking put Eric anywhere close to my brand. Yeah, exactly. you know, and the only one I'm gonna give a pass to is Mike D because Mike isn't a particularly uncool name, but I do think Mike D isn't a great hip hop name. Uh, and I love the Beastie Boys, yeah, as you know. But I just I love the fact that you know people like Warren G is the classic one. They go, yeah, man, I can make this cool. Lil Wayne, <laughs> Wayne, fucking Wayne. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, t- t- Tony M is not the worst in the world. But I just think it's a whole genre of MCs that makes me laugh. Well, let's not let's not forget um, from uh, from Doomtree Crew, Cecil Otter. Cecil, actually, it's Cecil because oh. it's America. But well, yeah, yeah. they don't know how to pronounce things. Aaron, exactly. Aaron, fuck <laughs> <off>. <laughs> but yeah, overall, overall, I think this is totally fine. I think this is a great fun way to start the album off. Yeah. I don't think it needs to be seven minutes long. I think the single edit is much better. Yeah, uh, but. Again, who's going to tell Prince not to do a seven-minute song? But that's the flavour of this record. Is, indeed, indeed. But I'm going to say, mm-hmm. when I listen to this, like, I don't have a note about it being seven minutes. Oh, right. Because I... I it didn't, I, didn't uh, strike you? No, because oh. I, I think it's a good tune. Okay, cool. And, I, and I've and I've listened to this album quite a lot of times for this podcast. Okay. Like, yeah. m- m- way more than my, like my... My prescribed minimum is always three. Sure. Um... And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, I'll get to uh, five or something. Mm-hmm. I've listened to this a few more times. Really? Yeah. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Right. So, second track. Second track, right. First single. Yes, it was. Uh, Sexy MF. Which stands for... Motherfucker. Motherfucker. 
What? I know. I wish you told me this before we started. I would have nothing to do with this. Uh, so yes, like you said, this was the first single in July of 1992. First single from this album. And it got to number four in the mm-hmm. UK charts. And again, we're talking about him being prolific. This single was released just two weeks after the last single of his previous album. Yep. That he was just didn't stop. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, bam. And this is, you know, and obviously, if you, you know, famously, people know about the, the vault for Prince. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he was just, that, that's all he did. He, re- he recorded music constantly. He lived yeah. in a house with a recording studio and he was in it every single day. That's what he liked doing. That's what he did. So, you know, yeah. the, you know, and, you know, uh, and, you know, the hey. hit rate is pretty fucking high. Uh, from what you no no, compared to, you know, all right, no, that's, that, let me, let me, <laughs> okay. Let, let me rephrase that. Okay, the uh, the ability to skim hits from the top of that yes. is pretty. Yeah, high. I think that because he's done that, he has produced a lot more very very good songs than a lot of other people. Yeah, but by default, he's also released an awful lot of total dreck and than, now, than more other people. Now, total dreck is very fucking subjective. Yes, right. just because a man knows how to craft a pop song and occasionally doesn't uh-huh. doesn't mean the rest of it's dreck. I'm not going to tell you that he hasn't put out some fucking dreck. Uh-huh. He fucking 100% has. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm going to make a case on quite a few of these songs. Well, we're mm. going to fall out. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, though, right? Sexy Motherfucker is uh, uh, an example. At the time, didn't get this song at all. No. Did not like this song at all. This song actually might be the reason I didn't pick this album up. Oh, I see. Because this is the first thing you heard off it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard it live. I yeah. was like, I don't really like this. I don't, don't yeah. get it. It doesn't do the things I like it. don't know what I was fucking thinking. Oh. I think this is a great song. Do you? I fucking love this song. Yeah, okay. I, I just, you know, I love I love the way that you've just got that single note that just fucking hangs over the whole tune. It's mm-hmm. kind of got this almost kind of, it kind of Dick Tracy air of expectation. Like, you've got that kind of the, kind of the groove of that bass that kind of comes in at the back end of the thing. You've got the Hammond organ. Yeah. In some how this song manages to be both overblown and low key at the same time. Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah, I you know, yeah. you've got a funky little guitar solo that come in. I mean, it's got the lyric, I bet if you threw that ass in the air, it would turn into sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, that's another one of Tony M's, isn't and it? And I rest my case. <laughs> Your honour. Oh, man. Dude, obviously, it's all subjective. Yeah. I'm I'm very happy you got a lot out of this. I get very little from this. I think this is a great joke. I think, uh, I see what he's going for. Yeah. And let's face it, he can do that James Brown funk thing. Yeah. He can do it very well. Mm-hmm. And that it, this is, essentially, he's doing a James Brown tune. But for me, there isn't uh, a swagger to it. There's not a, there's not a bass. I can't really hear a bass line in there. It's all... Top level tinniness. But, no, but it's, it's where that it's where the, it's where the baseline comes in. It, it, it's in. It's not. It's not constant throughout. You, the the no. main thing you've got throughout is you've got that that little kind of keyboard part, and you've got that held note. Yeah. So it's sparse and sparse. But then, like, kind of like you know, on, on basically on the on the end of the bars, pretty much, you've got that fucking bass that comes in and really. I don't feel it. I don't feel at all. Love it, man. I, and bass when it comes in is so fucking funky, and you want more of it. But he's like, no, you can't have that. Just the tip. Tease. Uh, Right now, I, I maybe it's because this is all tease and no follow through, but 
it it annoys me a bit because I would love it to be funkier and I'd love it to go into a bit more of a breakdown and have some of that really big bass fills or more of the horns or whatever. But he is holding back. He's just... I, but, I don't, I, but that's kind of what I like about it. I, you don't you like he's not giving you what you want? No, he's, he's not He's not, not giving me what I want. I he's see, he's, right. he's uh, giving me what he wants to give me. And I'm like, okay, Prince, I'll, okay. I'll lick your feet. I'll do it. <laughs> right, I'm going I'm to be straight up here as well, right? There, there are things on this record that I've fucking done with me or whatever. We'll mm. talk about them. But I have to be honest, I realised whilst listening to this record that there are things I will let him get away with that I would not let anybody else get oh, away I with. Oh, I see. Okay. You're, I, you're aware of your predisposition. Yeah, to, because, right. I, because I trust him and the intent behind it. Mm. And I'm like, you know, okay, wait, fuck it, whatever. Right, anyway. Okay. Um, so, this is a weird one because if you if the, the song is called Sexy Motherfucker. Yeah. And if you listen to it... And you listen, kind of. If you just skim it, you go, "Oh, this is a song about him fucking people. This is a song about him just being an absolute horn dog." Mm-hmm. But the lyrics are really, surprisingly, more about not fucking the woman that he's singing to. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lyrics are things like, "You seem perplexed. I haven't taken you yet. Can't you see I'm harder than the man can get? Uh, I get wet dreams coming out my ears. I get hard if the wind blows your cologne near me." But I can take it because I want the whole nine. This ain't about the body, it's about the mind. Mm-hmm. And so it's like him going, nah, we're not going to do this. It's as, just, it's as, as you're saying those lyrics as well, look at that lyrical theme and look at the feeling that, that song's giving you. It's like, okay, I'm teasing, I'm not giving you this thing yet. Yeah. And it's there in the song and it's in the oh, music. You're it's, absolutely right. It, but it, I don't want there, either of those things. It's there in the intent of the track. Well, okay, yeah. that's, that's fine. But it's like, it's, a, a, a Prince song about not banging me. What am I getting from that? I mean, reality. Not, yeah, he true. never banged you. You don't know that. I do know that. <laughs> what was the video? Which was which was the one? Because again, I I didn't watch these videos back. Which was the one where he had like the kind of the chainmail mask? Was that My Name Is Prince or was that this? Uh, he had the chainmail mask in My Name Is Prince. Right. Uh, this one is one of the ones where he's wearing tr- the trousers that come up to his tits. Right. Uh, and no top. Uh-huh. And high heels. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All but, of them. Then. You know what I will give him? Yeah. Is that if that was his look? And he was still getting laid more than most people in the world. Fair play. He's doing something right because he looks very, very silly. Prince could have dressed up as AIDS and still been getting it's laid. It's true. It's very true. Anyway, right. So, okay. We've got 18 of these tracks to yeah, go through. Yeah, so okay. let's speed this along. Track number three is called uh, uh, Love to the, the Nines. Nines. Jazzy background there. Mm-hmm. So look, the horns. This is very much cut from a template, or you know, from from a tradition that exists within Prince Records, right? Of a kind of a pop jazz standard, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Did he do a lot of this? Because the, 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 the singles the, weren't. The, there's, yeah, no, there's, there's right. plenty of this kind of pop jazz that exists within his back catalog, and it's the stuff that. Coming into Prince, I was resistant to. Mm-hmm. As I became more of a Prince fan, I became more enamoured of. Oh, I see. Okay. okay, right. So I see. Right. This though is is separated by ear, and it's got a little bit more of a hip hop inflection, which starts to come through it later. Well, there's another rap later on in there's this a song, later, uh-huh. and the, and the beat that kind of changes as the way through. Yeah. Um, interestingly, Prince does a rap on this. Yes. Much better than anything that Tony uh, M does throughout. I think Prince's rap's nice on this. I, I, think, I think it's okay. I, I, I don't think it's amazing, but I think right. I think it's interesting that his rap is... It, it's got 
a more distinct personalized flow than Tony M's, which sounds a lot like a lot of rap sounded like at the time. Okay, sure. That kind of, obviously Prince has got a more distinctive voice Mm -hmm. and it's not in my top 100 fucking rap verses I've ever heard. No, of course. But it's, it's a more distinct voice which is one of the things you look for in hip hop, I think, uh, and you know, kind of voice and timber, right. than what Tony M was doing. And mm. it's quite interesting that he's obviously he's got brought Tony M in as the guy that can rap. Yeah. And I'm like, in retrospect, in, with the kind of time past, I think what Prince does is more interesting. I see. Right. I don't get that. I think it sounds like Prince rapping. And if you said to me, "Oh, have you heard Prince rap?" But before, before I'd heard him rap, I'd be like, "No, but I can imagine it." And that's what I imagine. I bet you fucking I any money, right? I bet you any money, if Prince, Prince had put his mind to it, he'd have been a better rapper than 90% of the rappers If he'd there. put his mind to it, he could have written, you know, a better album in 1992, but he didn't. Yeah. You know, he, he was doing what he was doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think this is... I mean, to be honest, I think this is terrible. Uh, I think this is saccharine lounge jazz with him doing his falsetto voice, which I've never really got on uh, with. Mate. I have no issue with the main body of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get to a point and he starts doing this kind of... Que- like he, he alludes to the fact that there's going to be a questionnaire in some of it he's singing, mm-hmm. and then there's like an act-out between Tony M and, and um, Maite. Yeah. Maite. Uh, and I mean, it is literally his peak early 90s Prince. And uh-huh. uh, what age are you? Jailbait. Jailbait. Fuck me. I know. What? This is right up there with <laughs> Bill Biv DeVoe's backstage underage. He's just putting it all out there for I everyone mean, he really see. is. Yeah. is it, it, and I, I fully accept that that bit is objectively terrible. Mm. And as a Prince fan, I do not hate it. Okay. I don't hate it. I don't hate right. it, right? The, you know, like the outro with all the fucking, the kind of, you know, all the major keys, the big horns coming through. Uh-huh. Enjoy that. It's outlandish ridiculousness. And I wouldn't accept it from anyone else. I, this is right. this is almost the thing that I'm. You know, I'm putting my cards on the table. You're a long-term listener. And you're going, Dave. Why are you not savaging this? You're not being objective. <laughs> Can't be. No, I, I try to. No. I I enjoy this stuff. I you know I've listened to so many Prince albums. When I heard this, I was like, yeah, this isn't the best track on the album, but it's a Prince song that I have that I don't know intimately and there were plenty of bits in it that I do like I I did enjoy the bit towards the end where uh, it is getting more kind of upbeat and it's like how are you going to make that booty boom yeah how am I going to make that booty boom how are you going to make that booty boom how am I going to make that booty boom step back give a girl some room yeah (laughs) I enjoyed that exactly that is very silly but a lot of fun yeah Yeah. but I think the the tune the kind of the, the main song bit of this I think is really bad but I don't really like anything he does in that style that I've yeah. heard because to me this sounds like the most beautiful girl in the world mm-hmm. that sort of stuff and I think that's awful you know so it's yeah. along those lines for me I mean yeah I, I yes I, I think I think there's a richer vein of this kind of jazz infused stuff that exists within Prince's back catalogue right. right those uh, jazz singers are an enormous part of his influence it's something that he grew up with absolutely um and you know it's it's not my favourite bit, but it's uh, and again I completely understand. Like when I started listening to Prince records and I'd come across something like this, mm. it was the stuff I was like, oh no, I don't. But I've I've listened to so much that I kind of I, I've got a feel for it and yeah. I and I enjoy it. This isn't the best example of it by a fucking country mile, Fine. but. It doesn't bother me, and I, I, I can, I, I listened to when I was listening to this, I was like, "This is gonna make Chris's shit." <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah, and well, I was you like, know me well. Yeah, so yeah. there we go. All right. Um, also, nearly six minutes long, which is entirely unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, 
again, these tracks Maybe. could do. I mean, this track could obviously do with it, innit? A trim. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's number three on the arm. Uh, number four? The Morning Papers. He realised that she was new to love. And this was the fourth and final UK single, yeah. but it only got to like number 15. When you say UK, you tree is probably more appropriate. <laughs> he knew that he was new to love. It, it, I mean, Naive in every way. Yeah. Yeah. Every schoolboy's fantasy she was, that's why he had to wait. Yeah. What the hell? He's, he's just flaunting it. He is absolutely just uh, showing you his hard drive and going, what are you going to do? Right, I mean, I think he's trying to come to terms with it himself, to well, be honest with you. I, I think he's putting it out there so no one can accuse him of uh, keeping it secret. I think that's what the plan what is. What do you mean, like, when R. Kelly produced an album by Aaliyah called AJ <laughs> Nothing But A Number? It's fucking bad, bro. This is bad. Well, look, uh, man, back to this track. Yeah, yeah, OK. Oh, I think this track's gorgeous. This is nice. There are some nice... But I think overall... Uh, it wanders too too much, but I think when it's catchy, it's good. It's got it's got a really cock rock guitar. Mm-hmm. It's, re- it's a re- it's a really kind of late eighties rock and roll guitar that's running through this. Right, sure. Wouldn't you know, kind of. But there's there's a thing that he does when he does that kind of style where it's like. He plays riffs sometimes that would fit on like Gumby rock records. I mean, oh yeah. You know we've got Little Angels coming up in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and but. He always does it with just that fucking bit of flair, little bit of flair, mm. that little bit of style, right? And the bassline on this track's fucking great as well. And again, like yeah, like you say, it wanders a little bit too much for this to be a classic. Track. Yeah, there's a saxophone but, solo in it, and usually I'd be like, wicked, but I don't like the saxophone solo in this. I quite like the saxophone yeah, solo. Yeah, right. but I, I just, I just think this is a. You know, it's an album track, but I think it's a really sumptuous I, album I did, track. I think it's a nice one. I think it's one of the better ones, and I do like that at the end when it's that na 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 na, na that whole yep. outro. That's really catchy, and the bit, the, even just the line, the, the morning papers yeah. line, is a really nice cadence to it. It's a lovely, catchy bit, but I think the the bulk of it is a bit pedestrian. I understand what you're saying. I mean, motherfucker has got a flair for melody that, like, like when nearly he, when no he, one when else. He, when he can do it, he's brilliant. It's not when he can; it's when he wants. to. When he wants to, fair enough. Yeah, when he does it, it's brilliant. But I think he doesn't do it enough sometimes. Uh, I don't think there's enough catchiness in some of his songs. Right. So next track is track number five. Five. Yep. It's called The Max. Cynthia. Cynthia Lauper. Cynthia <laughs> Pain. Uh so look. You can relax now. The Max is in control. Now this to me sounds like something from the Labyrinth soundtrack. Oh that's good. Yes, but it m- does. Muppet yeah. funk I've written here. <laughs> that's a great genre. <laughs> uh-huh. It's, it's thumping bassline and drums on this again. Look, this is in that kind of the tone of the stuff he did with Morris Day. Sure. It's a big, fun stomp, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's... I mean, like, it's on... Uh, my, my head's nodding. I can't... Uh-huh. Uh, you're you know, feeling it, this. It's a fairly uh-huh. infectious stomp, right? And, and he's thrown the kitchen sink at this. There's a house piano in it. Yeah, the, yeah, the piano I'm not a fan of. The sound of that piano. But that's early 90s. The, the, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was never a fan of that, that thing. It kind of fits in here. I mean, there's a fucking sand dance in the middle of it somewhere. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a great line in there. When they tell me to walk a straight line, I put on crooked shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's, the, the whole thing, again, it's, it's him bragging about himself. Yeah. But there's a lot of bits about it going, oh, well, if someone tells me to do X, I'll do Y. Yeah. And so, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm, I break the rules. Yeah. I'm Prince. You can't tell me what to do, uh-huh. which is exactly what we've been saying the whole thing. For That's sure. what his, his thing is. Uh, in terms of fucking weird lyrics, I don't understand what he's trying to go with. When the going gets tougher than the tough can go, I grind the axe. That's when I go, I go to the max. I'm not sure what he's trying to say. I think what he's, is I think, it sex? I think what he's trying to do is find a fucking rhyme with <laughs> max. It's just so bizarre. But I, I, my default position is, oh, he's probably talking about fucking. Well, maybe. No, I mean, that's, I mean, he, he definitely was talking about that a lot. But th- yeah. there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of fucking around in this song. Yeah. When it's on though. I'm, I mean, I'm dancing. You know, Fine. it's a lesser canon. Sure, but it's. I would know. advise you if you're dancing, don't dance with Tony M to this song because he says in it that if you dance with him, he's likely to break your back. I oh, don't do that. Well, indeed, that seems a bit overkill. So that's that. Okay, well, look, we've got a lot to get through. So let's take a quick break. Uh, after that one and look at the album chart for this let's week. Let's look yeah? at the albums, motherfucker. Okay. Timing-wise, we're looking at the week of October 11th to 17th of 1992, and the top 10 is realistically very, very similar to the ones we've, we've already seen. Number 10 is uh, the Sex Pistols' Kiss This, which was the greatest hits thing they did. I think they re-released maybe pretty vacant at this point. Couldn't even tell you. Anyway, it's, but that was number 10. Number 9 is Brian May with Back to the Light, which we've talked about. Number 8, Belinda Carlisle's Best Of. Number 7, Lionel Richie's Best Of. Number 6, Peter Gabriel, Us. Number 5, Michael Bolton, Timeless. Again, yeah. you've seen that. Number four, Mike Oldfield, Tubular Bells 2. Mm-hmm. Number three, Abba Gold, still up there. Yeah. Number two, R.E.M., All Money for the People. So it's only gone down to number two, but it was knocked off the top sure. spot. But then uh, if we look at the time period where we have Prince at number one and then this Simple Minds greatest hits going on, we've got four weeks. Yeah. So Well, we're at Christmas, so we are peak. We're, we're, we're approaching... Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're coming towards Christmas. So we, what we are is we're peak Christmas sales. Greatest Hits albums are selling because oh, that's yeah. what people are buying their, yes, their, their, their dad for, for Christmas, L- you know? Absolutely. But the, we do have four weeks of really quite interesting stuff to, to see as well. Um, first one I got a note was in Spiral Carpets, Revenge of the Goldfish. It was kind of their biggest period. They'd had the hits in 1990 and this was their follow-up album. Mm-hmm. It got to number 13, but it didn't do great uh, yeah. things for them. And from there on they were pretty much petering out but it's uh, it was in there it was a big one for them number 13 uh, number 18 and I didn't realise I got this high Nine Inch Nails Broken Oh, got to number 18 in yeah. the UK charts uh, Mud Honey released Piece of Cake mm-hmm. only got to number 39 and I, I had it at the time because I had been a fan of the, the previous stuff I found it a couple of years previous Yeah, it's okay there's mm-hmm. some really good stuff on there um, but it's not prime era for yeah, me Mud Honey sure. uh, but it's still good uh, here's one that I'm quite sure you're gutted didn't get to number one. Got to number two, mm-hmm. Madonna Erotica. Uh, I, I don't think, again, Erotica is an album that is hard to love. It's not okay. a great record. No, I've never heard it. Uh, it's uh, Again, it's it was the first Madonna album in a long while that I didn't buy. I see. Record that kind of right. came out. Um, big furore about it. You know, uh, big, big sure. hype. Yeah, sure. I mean, it was you know around the time she put the sex book out uh-huh. and all of this stuff. She, you know, she was kind of in that era of you know kind of sex exploitation Madonna. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, in exactly the same way as this Prince record, it came out at a time when my 
eyes were in a different direction. Your focus had changed. You know, I, I probably didn't come back to Madonna in terms of loving an album by her until Ray of Light. And I've, right, sure. You know, so like erotica, so for most of the 90s, really. Yeah, I mean, erotica, bedtime stories, those records. I, you know, I, I, I have relationships with them, but not in the way that I do the early records the and something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. Um, got to number 52, Izzy Stradlin and the Juju Hounds, their self-titled album. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that coming yeah. out. I, 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 I had that on tape. Okay. Because uh, I was such a big Guns N' Roses fan. Yeah, I, uh, I, I suspected you would have at least investigated. Yeah. And look, fucking top tip, right? Uh, if you hear th- these words in a song by white people, Juju, Mojo, <laughs> right? Any yeah. of these words... Yeah. Th- it's shit. Just avoid. It's shit, right? Right. It, it may, may, maybe the Rolling Stones get a pass on some of it, right? Okay. But uh-huh. that shit, man. No, fucking, not in the 90s. Uh, not allowing that anymore, right. man. Again, never heard it, but my instinct is to go, oh, I bet you that's awful. Uh, no, do you know what? It's it's, it's not that bad. Like, okay. I mean, Izzy, Izzy is a good player. I mean, it's very, very kind of bluesy. Mm-hmm. It's one of those records, probably listen to it now, it's probably better than you, by a lot oh, better I see, than you really, think it would be. Oh, I see, really, might be, be actually yeah. more in there. But, but I suppose at the time, it just, it wasn't Guns N' Roses. So I mean, it absolutely like, wasn't Guns N' Roses. You're going to be disappointed. It was if a lot more for. of a blues record. Gotcha. Just, you know. All right, uh, well, that got number 52. Uh, number 53... Was Alison Chains with Dirt? What a record that yeah. is! Um, did you have that at the time? Like, were you aware of them? Okay, so where are Na- we? We're October no, ninety-two. October nineteen ninety-two. Um, well, I, I I know exactly when I bought my copy of it, which was in May of nineteen ninety-three. Oh, okay. But I knew. I mean, Al- I mean, I I'm trying to think. I saw Alison Chains on the Dirt tour, oh. Brixton Academy. Uh, and okay. early 93 so I would ah, I, maybe so then I, I, I wouldn't have had it day of release or anything along those lines but, pretty but straight I, I had it had it fairly so I, I would imagine I had it by Christmas of this year right and were you immediately a fan of the album Oh, as soon as you heard uh, it uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean immediately a fan of the album immediately a fan of the band yeah. got everything I could uh, Alison Chains is one of my you know uh, Alison Chains is one of my favourite bands mm. Lane Staley is one of my favourite singers absolutely and it was uh not if it was this year or the year after but it was album of the year Kerrang I think oh, and Metal it? Hammer as well I think oh right fair enough yeah fair enough um, the new fast automatic Daffodils released Body Exit Mind got to number 57 mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't have the album I think I had it on tape maybe but I never really listened to it but they had a couple of brilliant singles like really fucking good singles but they did suffer, I think, from having a stupid name. I'm fucking out. I mean, those ones. That was just classic early 90s indie bands, it, wasn't indeed. it? Indeed. Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Yeah. yeah. One of those ones. You go, all right, that's a bit silly. But they weren't that sort of silly, silly band. Mm. I, but I do think they suffered from the, the first, first impression. You go, oh, I'll bet you they're dickheads. Uh, Boys to Men released Cooley High Harmony. Yeah. Uh, got to number seven. Um, I'm imagining that's just straight up pop. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've got, fe- I've got a feeling. I've got a feeling that's a I mean, we, U. I've got a feeling that's a UK release, and they released, and it was released earlier in the states. Oh, it might be. I know that we saw the single last week of "End of the Road," yeah. so maybe it's them just doing their UK push 
at this point. Because at that time as well, they, like with that R&B stuff, mm. there was, as I recall, a fairly solid deficit in release. And hip-hop as well. Like There was mm. a lot of stuff that you could only get on US import. That is very true. And yes. I, I've got a feeling that Boys to Men album was that you could get it, it was a, it was available for like six months or so on import, right. and then it was finally released in the UK. I see. I mean, I, I've done no research on that. It's purely memory. But I, I have memories of that Boys to Men record whilst I was still at high school. Oh, And I left oh, right. high school in June of that year. Oh, so, yeah. It was Unless it was another in one. In the back. I was never someone. a big enough fan that this stuff has, rem- has stayed in my head that much. No, nah, not at all. Uh, speaking of Ned's Atomic Dustbin, they released their Are You Normal album, uh, got to number 13. Did they ever find out? Um, I think the answer was no. They weren't. No. Uh, it's, it's not a brilliant album. But then again, they never did a brilliant album. Yeah. I think I think they have some great singles, and I have a great uh, fondness for the band because I have fond memories of that time sure. listening to those singles. But they they were not a good album. They band. only wore flares, didn't they? Like big flares. And Elton John wrote that song about them. Oh, did they? What yeah. was that? Uh, Goodbye, normal jeans. I don't know why he's on that joke for now. Now Tommy Dustin. I don't know either. No, I, I did that joke in one of our Elton John I, I know, episodes. I, know, I, know, I, know, I can't remember. <laughs> Oh God! Terrible. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm torn between cutting out and then leaving it in just to say fuck it, hell. I know. Leave that in. Yeah. Definitely. That's the uh, oh, shit joke yeah. of the week. Uh, Nana Cherry released Homebrew. Uh, got to number twenty-seven. Oh, what's on Don't home? remember that. What's on Homebrew? One bit. Not a clue. Uh, again. I mean, I had. Is that a second record? Nineteen ninety-two. Hang on, home. Is home. That, was that when she was doing Seven Seconds with Yusuf and Dora? I don't know. Let's have a look. Homebrew, but, Nana Cherry, uh, Buddy X. I remember Buddy X. Okay. Oh, no. no uh, not good. Only got so 27. It's the second studio album. Is it? Uh, so it's the fo- uh, follow-up uh, follow to uh, Raw Like Sushi. Okay. Again, I suspect this was one that got released in the States previous. Uh, Arrested Developments, three years, five months, etc. Yeah. Um, got it, this charted in October. Uh-huh. Um, it peaked. It kept something in. It peaked in February 93. But it first charted in the UK in, in this October. Arrested Development always fucking annoyed me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it always seemed like hip hop for people that didn't like hip hop. Well, it seemed to me like someone had heard De La Soul uh, at a different record label and gone, "Oh, I want one of those. Can you get me a?" Yeah, uh, I, I, it was. It was in that. It was in that kind of wheelhouse where. And you know, man, dude, I'm a fucking sixteen year old white kid from Luton, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but knowing what I knew about hip hop, it didn't feel authentic. To me, okay, right. Well, it's pop, hip hop. It's PM Dawn, but but this and that's more... exactly it. I put it in that same yeah. fucking thing as as PM Dawn, as uh, you know, kind of the Dream Warriors. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You know, yeah. We Papa Girl Rappers. Ah, don't, I'm, don't I'm, be dissing them. We rule. We rule the dance. But Arrested Development, I think, I think Tennessee is a very good single. Yeah. I, I think Mr. Wendell is sappy crap. Yeah. I think it's really just blah. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the, the stuff I heard, I don't think I even heard this full album. The rest of the stuff I did hear, the other thing was like, no, this is just, can't be bothered. I, I, I think the people that liked Arrested Development annoyed me as well. Right. And, you know, bear in mind, I was a lot more militant in my youth about this kind of stuff. Okay, I was yeah. a lot more of a dick about it. And if, if, it, if it didn't smell right to me, I would let you know about well, it. Okay, sure. Yeah, it's one of those albums, definitely. It would polarise because it's not credible hip-hop, 
but it's also not pop cheese that you can just be a, a let go. I mean, to, to, in order to express any opinion, I would have to listen to the record again because yeah, I've got. I, well, you don't know, do that. I'm not going to. Yeah. I mean, if it was number one, we'd have fucking had to. Yeah. Uh, the Offspring released Ignition. Uh, yeah. At this point, I heard this record. I, I, I had a little pop punk phase. Uh-huh. I, was, I mean, I was a you know I was a skateboarder. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of this stuff was on you know videos. Escape videos, um, you know, a, lot, a lot of stuff that was on Epitaph. I don't right. think I, f- I found it quite this early. I, I probably, I'm trying to think fully round, yeah, probably around 90, probably next, the next year, yeah, sure. 92, 93, is when I started listening to a lot of this stuff. I started listening to a lot of Rancid and a lot of right. kind of like, I mean, Bad Religion was a big band for me. Okay. Um, when there's another one that came out in this time period, No Effects released White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean. Sure. Again, and No Effects, loads of people I know, big fans of No Effects. Mm. I really like certain No Effects songs, right. but I never really... One of those bands, you couldn't be into everyone, I didn't have their albums. Sure. There, there was, you yeah. know, it's kind of one of those, it, it's one of those things where if they'd have had an album that had like two or three songs that I really liked on it, I'd have probably picked it up. Right. And I'm then, played it over and over. Yeah. yeah. Into it. Or there was one song that I really liked. I mean, I, Kill All the White Man. That's my, that's the song mm-hmm. that I really love by No Effects. Yeah, it's good. Uh, big album here. Debut album for Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> The Carnival of Carnage came out. <laughs> oh, fuck it. You know, right? I kind of love that the Insane Plus <laughs> Crown Posse exists. Oh, that they exist is hilarious. That they started re- releasing music and people bought it yeah. is terrifying. And the fact that they are on the FBI's list as a gang yeah. or whatever. <laughs> that they have their own fucking <laughs> festival. That a film was made at their festival. Yeah. I mean, it is very strange. What I would love more than almost, you know, if they say if you could be invisible for one day, what would you do? Oh yeah, right? and you know, like when you're a fucking teen, when you're a teenage boy, oh. you don't know any better. You're like, I'd go into the girls' dressing room. Yeah, and then absolutely. You say that as a 45 year old man, you're like, oh no, I'm going to get arrested. Mm. Right? What I would do if I could be invisible for one day and I could go and not interact is I would go to the Juggalo fucking was <laughs> whatever it's called, the convention of the Juggalos right, or whatever sure. the fuck it's called. I'd go there and I'd just wander around and I'd observe it because I would right. love to be there but I would like to be there without anyone knowing I was oh, there definitely. or without anyone being able to talk to me no no god imagine having a conversation with a juggalo because it I wouldn't suspect, be about anything that wasn't juggalo related I, mean, I don't think they talk about anything no. that isn't juggalo related I suspect there's probably some very lovely juggalos and, I mean, uh, okay, by just by process of mathematics, there have to be. Yeah, but I mean, and just just for full disclosure, I've seen lacking. I've seen the insane clown posse twice live. Oh, you have as well. Yeah, I, I have. I I went. I went of my own accord the first time when they first hit the UK uh-huh. uh, and with the great Malenko when they first released right, that over sure. here. Uh, and I went to the show because I'd heard it was nuts and I had a fucking brilliant time. Really? It was ridiculous. Okay. It was ridiculous. And the second time I was working HMV and one of the reps gave me some tickets. So, why so not? I went. Uh, and, right. and the joke had worn off substantially. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, because it is... It's, I've heard this joke before, immediately after you... I mean, it's puerile yeah. and it's ridiculous, yeah. and taking at face value, it's a, a lot of fun. I, I, I never, ever listened to the Insane Clown Posse and went, oh, this is good music. No. I went, this is funny. Right. Sure. And it was for a yeah. minute, and then it wasn't anymore. Oh, indeed. Um, all right, well, yeah, so they released a debut album. The other one, released in this period, actually didn't chart until February 93, mm-hmm. but was released was the first Rage Against the Machine album. <sighs> The self-titled Rage Against the Machine album. I think we we have to do an, an episode about that, don't we? Because that that is a big deal for me. That record. Oh my that God. is an, a huge. That's a game-changing record. For oh, me. without a doubt, mate. That's that's a, so, that's rewriting the rules. It, indeed. So I think we should 
not necessarily say anything more about it now and do a full do a full full kind of bonus episode on yep. that. Um I think I think that's probably it, I, think. I think that's probably be our next episode. Okay, case. yeah, we'll do that next um, because I've got a lot of things to say about that album and what it did for me and music in general. Yeah, me okay. too. Right, wicked. In that case, that's the last one I got, and we'll cover that in full fucking detail next time. Yep. Awesome. Great. Awesome. Right, but there's a lot of shit there. There's a lot of big albums. You know, Alice in Chains, uh, Offspring, Raise Against the Machine, Nine Inch Nails, Madonna. Mate. Yeah. Even. Big albums there. There's uh, a lot of really fucking high quality stuff. Yeah. But let's go back into the second bit of Prince Love Symbol. Yeah? Yes, indeed. Okay, so the uh, the first track, uh, so track six as it was, yeah. isn't really a track, is it? it's a segue. It's called Segway One. Yes, indeed. Okay, so I mean, we'll just let this play a bit. And from reading around this album, it appears that initially there were supposed to be eight this of these little seeks in oh, between really? tracks uh, to tie the plot together. But he then uh, recorded more music and needed to lose some stuff to be able to put these in. And so it's a, there are now only two on the album. I'm just amazed he didn't just put them all in anyway. That is true. Yeah. But um, this is a little weirdness. It is a skit about a journalist mm-hmm. phoning him up to try and get an interview with him. He's obviously known as a very private person, yeah. and he said, as soon as she says, oh, by the way, I'm recording this conversation, he hangs up. Yeah. That's what this is. The only kind of notable thing about it is that uh, the part of the journalist is played by Kirsty Alley. Uh, at that time, famous as someone who'd been in Cheers, and now famous as, like, a fucking right-wing... A Trump apologist, Scientologist. Yeah, yeah, fuck me. Yeah, I mean, this is, we're recording this in the same sort of week as she put some tweet out saying, "Oh, well, this is why Trump is the best thing in the world," and has got nothing but absolute hatred on social media for it. Oh, well, well I, that's what you get. How many thetans is that going to lose her, mate? It's such. A, it's one of these ones. Like, she's not one of the Scientologist ones that I'm like, oh, I'm gutted about that because I don't give a shit about Kirstie Alley. Yeah, you know, yes, she was okay in Cheers, and. I think I've probably seen Look Who's Talking, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Well, I think I think two of the ones that really gutted me are no longer are no longer Scientologists. Oh, is one of them Beck? Yeah, Beck was one. Yeah, and uh, Jason Lee. Oh yeah, of course. Former skateboarder yeah. and star of My Name Is Earl. Yeah, I believe he's no longer a Scientologist. Oh, I didn't know he left. That's okay. Right, I, I believe that's the case. I mean, I mean, who fucking knows? And uh, no. if, if you're listening to this Church of Scientology, um, we completely endorse your rights for free movement. And uh, please don't please tap don't our phones. Down, we don't please. want any. We don't want any smoke oh. with the Church of Scientology. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Oh no! Fuck me. We already got in trouble with Twitter uh, uh, this week, didn't we? For one of our new kids on the blocks. Oh yeah, we got we got taken we got uh, taken down. Videos I mean, that we made straight up copyright infringement. Yeah. To be fair, Oops. I mean, uh, at some point, guys, if you're listening to this, this whole podcast is going to get taken <laughs> down. Um, yeah, right. Okay, so that's number six, which isn't a real song, but it sets it up again. It's just part of that plot. Okay, but then we have track number seven, which is Blue Light. Blue Light. Can you smell fish? Fuck it, what's going on? Is it cod? Cod reggae, man. What the hell? Yeah! <laughs> Rastafarianism. <laughs> Good God. Has he has he ever done a reggae song before? Oh, uh, probably. I don't know. I don't know if he has. Uh, this is... Right. Uh, I like his voice on this track, though. Do you? Yeah. 
No. I do. I, uh, I, took, I took against this song straight away on a first listen. Yeah. But there are things in it, in the vocal melodies that I like. Oh, my God. I mean, li- <laughs> uh, I do. I, I told you that, man. I mean, lyrically, it is the memoirs of a coercive pervert. Right. <laughs> it's right. it it him complaining that his woman isn't as adventurous as she used to be and he wants a bit more yeah. rumpy-pumpy. Look, and look, as it, again, I've written here, I wouldn't let anyone else lay away with this song. <laughs> okay, but, yeah, that's it. But the surely. funny thing is, and this is something that bears a little bit of discussion, what it sounds like more than anything else in the world is a Flight of the Concord song. <laughs> Absolutely it does. And, and, and that's the funny, that, that is the interesting thing, because Flight of the Concords have borrowed obviously so much from I mean Prince amongst mm-hmm. other people sure. like when something like this comes out it almost it, it does make it sound a little bit like parody doesn't it oh totally and this is it if it was if this was a parody song I'd be like this is spot on oh this yeah. is so well uh, thought oh yeah but this is him being serious this is him doing a reggae song it's awful right okay dreadful shite I, I am not gonna present I'm not going to present a, a a case for the defence, okay. uh-huh. but I am going to tell you that like I quite enjoy quite a bit of the vocal melody in that wow. song, and it wow. and it transcends the fact that it's got that kind of reggae feel to it. I lose the reggae in it after the intro to a certain degree. Yeah, look, right. I'm not. I'm not going to tell you it's a good song. What I'm going to tell you is that I don't hate it. Uh, no, okay, and those are two separate things. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. This this went straight into my uh, "Give Me Some Reggae" shit playlist. Yeah, obviously, along with some of the other terrible ones we've had nice. so far. Um, uh, there's a line in this that uh, tickled me. It's like like Evian and the deep blue sea, yeah. you and me got different tastes. That's a good line. That is an okay. That's, that's a good, good line. line. But the, but you like it in the dark, but I like a blue light. I don't understand the blue light thing. I mean, maybe he just likes a blue light. Like UV, so he can see his jizz. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's CSI. Exactly. He's 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 wanting to come in. I can go. Just checking that you haven't got any uh, anybody else's on you there. I mean, I mean, it has got that. Um, and I'll be standing naked with nothing but a smile on. Uh, again, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> that really what, does. Like, with your own sexuality. I don't think I've ever seen Prince <laughs> smile. For, you know, <laughs> I don't know what would make him smile. I'm sure it's something that fifteen-year-old girls. <laughs> Oh, Lordy God. Do you reckon the, maybe the blue light is just a police siren on the way. All right, so mm. track number eight. I want to melt with you. Well, this is uh, different again. Hard scripty. That's kind of almost techno, isn't it? It is. So this is this, I've written this is Prince trying to do techno. Like, he's, he's heard some of the other stuff that's going on in the world at the minute in the charts. He's, he's put a squelchy bass behind it, a bit of rave. There's a river of blood lyric in this, if you say. Do you know the lyric? Don't look now, but there's a river of blood. You must have been a virgin. What am I guilty of? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, he really... I mean, this is the... the this is the medieval wedding where you hang the sheets out, isn't it? Fucking hell, Prince. Yeah. Oh. But, right, mm. again, right, but what I do like about this track mm. a lot um, is the way he layers the backing vocals and then uses his voice as like a rhythmic instrument over the top. All right. And it really kind of, there's a lot in the production there that is really satisfying. I, I, yeah. I actually really like 
quite a lot of this of this track. It's really nicely textured. Uh, I mean, there are some fucking whack, 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 whack keyboards in it. Really bad Terrible. keyboards in it. Um, but I think in terms of him putting his hand towards like kind of a techno house tune, mm-hmm. I think this is I think this is somewhat successful. Oh, I think this is grim terribleness. Yeah, I, oh, right. I, I think there's some really good stuff in this. I really like. I bits can't get. I can't get on with this in any way, shape, or form. No, I think. I think like the the way that those, those backing vocals are there, and he, he comes comes across the top doing some different stuff with his voice. Yeah. I think it's musically really quite interesting. The bit about uh, yeah, do that, baby, just like a dog, and then you hear some barking. I mean, that's not yeah. one of my favourite bits about it. <laughs> what I do like about this is that it's under four minutes long. I right, like that. Yeah. I'm assuming a kind of an experiment for him. I don't know if he'd done a lot of this sort of mm. thing before. I don't think it works for him. I think it does. I think yeah. I think uh, it's interesting because I go, ah, oh, right, this is this is him trying his hand at another thing, and this is another genre that he is demonstrating some proficiency in. This is obviously with the uh, understanding that I am not the Prince fan in this room. Yeah, so and, and this is and this is a I'm, difficult... I'm, I'm getting nothing of the, the other bits that you're getting. Sure. And you're enjoying is, what he's trying to do. And this, this is a difficult conversation from that point of view because of what I'm trying to do is go, all right, this is something... This is someone that I'm interested in doing something that I haven't really... You know, I'm predisposed to like all of this stuff, Indeed. right? And, you know, I'm being a bit of apolog- an apologist. I'm aware of it, mm-hmm. but I'm also not apologising for being an apologist. No, no, no. And, and this is, to be honest, that's pr- it's probably a nice way to have this because you, we're going to have, hopefully, some Prince fans listening to this. Mm-hmm. And if it was just me going, well, this is bad and this <laughs> is awful, that's not something that they're going to enjoy. At least they're, they will hopefully be able to go, no, I'm with Dave on this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there's some really, really, I think there's some really interesting stuff in there. Some really nice stuff to process. Okay. Anyway, so track number nine, nine. is called "Sweet Baby." Back into ballad teller territory mm-hmm. here. So you, we talk about, you know. I was talking about the kind of the jazz infused stuff. You know, again, this this type of softly spoken love song is very much a Prince staple. You can find mm. examples of this type of thing throughout its catalogue. Right. And this is never my brand of Prince. This is this is the, the these are always the songs that I can lose. Right, sure. I would rather hear I Wanna Melt With You five times than listen to Sweet Baby. Okay. Right. right. You know, it, it sounds dated. There's always something you can find if you're a fan in these songs. It's, it's like not, you know, his, mm. his voice is always pleasing to a degree, but uh, this doesn't do anything for me. I, I would this would be a, this would be a skip for me. No, well that, that's because this is insipid shit. This is absolutely awful. I don't I don't like this song. No, I'm not I gonna, think it's, I think I'm this not is gonna... dreadful. And again, I understand I don't like this style of his uh, in general. I don't I can't think of a song like this that I'm like, oh actually but that's an okay version. But this is especially bad because there's no tune. It's really yeah. just. I mean, like, a, a good example of something like this kind of thing would be something like, um, like "Money Don't Matter Tonight," right? Okay. That's, I mean, that's that's a good, uh, that is as a good an example of this kind of thing that that, that I would like. But okay. it's, there's a lot of these kind of bits across records, and yeah. they're always kind of album filler tracks, and they never really do much for me. Fine. Okay. Well, let's just breeze past that. Uh, track number ten, then the Continental. Mm-hmm. I cut. Well, that starts well. Another kind of big, upbeat drum track. I was just, I was going, oh, it's just, it starts well. And then it's, oh, is it getting a bit samey? 
But it's five and a half minutes long again. Uh, but then it's o- overly long. Yeah, so I was thinking it's a bit samey, and then after a while he starts fucking around again, and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. I mean, he gets. By the time you get to the fourth verse of this song, he has gone full on fucking purple pervert. Oh, there's some right filth at the end. Oh, the, I, mean, the, I mean, apart from like when fucking. Oh no, the final bit is Carmen Electra doing no. what is essentially a fucking JOI video. <laughs> JOI? Oh, fuck off, you're not on Pornhub. Jerk off instruction video. Oh, I've never heard that in my life. How have you not? Because I know how to jerk off. I've never had to look it up. Oh, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, now uh, I look like the pervert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm interested, right? If you, mm. This is a little side note here, mm-hmm. right? Like, looking at Pornhub, right? Not that I ever do. No, but, no, know, definitely not. And, and there's a, an advert just pops up that says, tired of jerking off? Question mark. I'm like, you've misjudged this. <laughs> 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 Read your audience for <laughs> <laughs> Um, Do you understand what the continental means or is because I don't understand this is called The Continental yep. but this is just a song about shagging yep. um, and so I don't understand what Continental means because to me that's a breakfast or a hotel could it be analogous for cunnilingus well, maybe because there is definitely some, some stuff about his, his oral sex technique uh, going on like, um, he says things like shall I go in a circle like the merry-go-round that you and your girlfriends used to ride all up and down mm-hmm. so is this just about fucking but I just don't understand what the continental bit is. Like, afterwards you can have uh, a bit of breakfast to eat? Yeah, well, well yeah. Uh, there is a line in here, uh, all tongue. Yeah, that's all right. I want all your germs. I can be heck a teacher if you want to learn. No, Don't good. like that. He's not set up for a COVID environment, no, is he? really is not. Not with an attitude <laughs> like that. I want all your germs. All tongue. Yeah, that's right. I want all your germs. Imagine saying that to a woman. How do you think I met my wife? <laughs> I can be heck a teacher if you want to learn. Right. Um, I don't get it. This sounds to me like the less catchy cousin of Get Off. You know, I love Get Off. I think yeah. that's brilliant. This sounds like a bit of an anemic version of that to me. Sure. If we're putting it in in context of, is this a single? Absolutely not. Is it an acceptable album track? Well, I think it is. You're, yes, absolutely fine. This I prefer this to an awful lot of the other ones. Yep. But, you know, that's not saying much whenever I think some of them are terrible. But this is this is sure. mid to tier in the album, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's you know, it, it's a it's a nice little pace change after Sweet Baby. It's a, I mean, I, I, f- just for the record, you know, we talked an awful lot last week about REM about how well that album is tracked. Mm-hmm. This album is not considering mm-hmm. this is supposed to be an opera. It's not a well tracked record. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe if it had been a proper film, you'd have seen a through line more than there is here. But well, I, I mean, no, there was. We were, I've, I've seen Graffiti oh, yeah, Bridge, course, yeah, and that, not, that didn't not happen. The case. Anyway, so right, well, that's the second bit of the album. Okay, right. So yeah, let's let's take a break. Then and do singles. Indeed. So singles this week. Number 10, and, and I don't think, I'm just looking through, I don't think, they, oh no, we got a couple of new ones. Number 10 is Undercovers Baker Street, which is still dreadful. Uh, number 9, we've seen this band a couple of times. This is uh, one of their bigger singles. Ring any bells? Yeah, it does. Big poppet. It's not end of the road. No, it's um. Oh, hang on a minute. I fucking know what this is. Yeah. Oh, you absolutely oh. do know it. The UK, not US. Nice 
One of the biggest pop acts of the 90s. Take that. Yes, it is. It's Take That. Um, remember I which one? I just can't remember what the song is. What is this song called? It is a million love songs. A million fucking love songs. A Jesus fucking love songs. Christ. Oh, so annoying. Yeah, yeah, indeed. So that's number nine this week. Number eight, and I remember this, and it's obviously awful. Um, it's one of these novelty rave hits. But I, uh, you might remember who it is, but see if you can just get what this is. I advise you don't answer too soon. It just sounds like too unlimited at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Ready for this? I know you're going to dig this. It's Tetris. It is Tetris, yeah. yeah. It is it's Tetris. Um, I mean, do you remember at all who did this uh, fucking not. travesty? It's like some Russian dude's name in it or some shit. Dr. Spin. Oh, Dr. Spin. Dr. Yeah, Spin with Tetris. Uh, number seven is Prince. My name is Prince. Number six is Simple Minds with Love Song, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the ones off their greatest hits. Uh, number five, Dr. Alban. It's my life. Number four, Bizarre Inc. I'm going to get you. Number three, Shame and Ebony is Good. Number two, Boys to Men, End of the Road. Number one is Tasman Archer's Sleeping Satellite. Nice. So we've seen all of those before. Sure. Uh, other stuff that came out in the kind of the four weeks that we're looking at, and while we have mentioned this entirely uh, already, uh, this one got to number three. Yeah, this is um, um what's it? Uh, we've just talked about her. No, oh, I thought it was at all. Oh, this is Madonna. This is Madonna Erotica. Erotica. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, you know I fucking, uh, do you know what I fucking thought it was for a minute? No. I had it in my head because obviously I can't hear it amazingly well no, from no, there. Yeah, I'm the other side I, I, I had, to, I, I thought it was going to be sunshine and a rainy day, which is obviously completely the wrong era. Oh, it's Zoe. Yes, yeah, indeed. But, but the beats there, isn't it? No, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely right. Um, this one only got to number seventy, and you, I think, we've already established fucking hate this band but Lemonheads it's a shame about Ray mm-hmm. to come out. and this is a really good tune I think this is a really catchy little indie guitar tune it's, it's dead nice but only got number 70 which I'm surprised at I do suspect that it got re-released after Mrs. Robinson that yeah, it went higher you know it's one of those ones um, this one again this didn't chart until February over here but it was released in November but we're going to do a full episode on this it's one of those ones that is instantly recognisable and from the first time you hear it you're like ah fuck me it's it's just it's brilliant in every way so we'll talk more about that Um, this one got to number 13 and I've never heard of this song Uh, you would be more likely to have but even if you can just get the band off this one oh right yeah this is ringing bells yeah this is um, Megadeth. It is Megadeth. It's, uh, it's uh, shit, uh, Sweating Bullets. Nope. No, 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 no High Speed Dirt. Nope. Yeah, I've never heard of this song, by the way. Green Pain. You 
belong to me. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging on to life by the skin of my teeth. And that's what it's called. Skin of my teeth. I really like this tune. <laughs> oh, right. I've never heard that in my life. Yeah, it's a good tune. Number 13. That's pretty decent, though. Uh, this one got to number 51 in this time, right? And we've talked about this band and the album it's from before, but uh, the single charted at 51 at this point. Yeah. It's Hunger Strike. It Temple is. Temple of the Dog. It is indeed Hunger Strike. Um, and I'm good because the album came out the previous year, didn't it? Is it ninety one? I'm sure we talked about it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I mean, Not I got into this, this, this one of those records. I got it in a mass of other records around that time. Sure, just getting into all of those grunge records. But yeah, I mean, I think it's one of these ones that was old at I, this point. But I think the, I think what happened was that Pearl Jam got success mm. and uh, Soundgardens were getting success so all of a sudden the video that has both the guys from Soundgarden yeah. and Pearl Jam in starts getting, getting MTV because yeah that was a massive rotation track that's very true actually okay uh, this one got to number 30 and I must admit I haven't listened to this in years I liked it at the time um, it, it was a band that I really liked and this was their first single on a major label and I liked it at the time, but looking back on it now, this was the beginning of the end for me, for this band. And this was played in all the kind of indie alt clubs at the time as well. It's, it's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a really bad cover of Territory by Sepultura. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, those drums fucking sound like paint pots. Is it ringing any bells for you? Because you'll know the song. I mean, I probably but, have. But you won't have heard it in ages as well. No, uh, it's Therapy Teeth Grinder. Oh, there you go, yeah. Yeah. And like I say, at the time, I really liked this, but I really wanted to like it. See, I, did, I kind of, again, Therapy, as we've said here before, kind of band that I, I just didn't like for some reason. Mm. And I never, you know, I kind of... Well, I would imagine that you probably were hearing stuff like this as your first introduction to Therapy. Or, or maybe even later stuff. Whereas I, yeah, because I'm, it was Belfast, yeah, exactly. I had been uh, party to the first couple of I mini think, albums. I think Screamager was the first oh, right. tune I really absolutely. heard by them. Right. Well, you see, that to me is absolutely in the plummet towards yeah. me not liking therapy anymore. Right. But yeah, that's all right. Um, I did have a huge poster of this on my wall because right. I was walking into Belfast Town Centre one time and there was a bloke putting them up, the, mm-hmm. the massive, what they're called, 6040s, the really big billboard size yeah. ones. And I said to him, oh, mate, is there any way you could uh, you know, keep one of these for me? He went, fucking have as many as you want, mate. And so I took one and, and put it on my wall and it covered the entire wall. Nice. And it's just a, a real close-up of someone's teeth held open with those kind of dentist things. Yeah, I remember, the, I remember the image. Remember the image. And so my mum hated that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> absolutely hated that. As far as I know, it is still up on the wall of my old room in my house in Belfast, but she's covered it with other things. Nice. Yeah, it's like underneath there, but it's, it's she's now put a lot of other stuff on there because that's her office now. I, I love the fact that there's, there's still the kind of the ghost of It's, of it's somewhere, there. indeed. I think I it mean, is. I'd imagine there's the ghost of you and quite a lot of the carpets as well, but... <laughs> <laughs> Get that blue light out. Oh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, right, so I got number 30. Uh, this one only got to number 52. And we are going to be encountering them in a much bigger way down the line. But this was the first single. Did you do going on? 
Oh. Oh. Yeah. Jamiroquai. This Jim is Mary. When You're Gonna Learn. This is Jamiroquai. Uh, and I'm pretty sure next season, I think in 1993, we're going to be doing a Jamiroquai album. Yes, I think indeed. so. Uh, this one not, uh, only got to number 65, but it was kind of a big indie tune in the indie clubs. and. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, exactly. even, Pixies. No, that's the thing. This is the one that rips off the Pixies. It's, oh. This is Sugar. Oh, yeah, a yeah, good yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah, but I still think it's a really good tune. Um, I love that album. That Copper Blue album was, was terrific. Yeah, full, I, I, full of big, poppy indie songs, catchy indie songs. That's one of those records where never had it but still know it quite well because it was always in someone's car who I got a lot of lifts from I see yeah and yeah. it's you know one of those ones like 10 or 11 songs probably 45 minutes long it's, it's one of those kind of nice snappy don't outstay your welcome albums uh, one here that I, that I haven't bothered looking up because it's not on Spotify uh, St Etienne and Flowered Up so two very kind of indie indie bands did the Fred EP where they covered Right Said Fred songs Great. Yeah. Uh, only got I to number bet, 26. I bet, I bet that was hilarious. I bet it was. Uh, but the only other one then is this, uh, only got to number 52, and it's Sonic Youth, Youth Against Fascism. And again, we talked about the album yep. this was from. Um, this was, I love this single, and yeah, it only got to number 52, but that's absolutely fine for a Sonic Youth song. Um, and the shit band that I was in in school did a cover version of this. Oh, nice. Yeah. And my God, we were bad, but we had a lot of fun. Well, fucking hell, mate. I, we, uh, I mean, the cover that my first band did of uh, Bullet in the Head was yeah, yeah. unrecognisable. <laughs> Fair enough. Eh? We've all, we've all uh, got those little missteps in our band careers, I'm sure. I've got nothing but, mate. So that would be an interesting Twitter thread for our followers. Like, what, just can you, if you can post a link to the worst thing that you've been involved with in a band, I'd be intrigued to hear some of I the mean, 90s I, stuff. I mean, I am so, so glad that my follies in like my early follies in music predate the everyone having a fucking camera on them all the time and right the yeah or yeah well, indeed but even myspace you know whenever that came through everyone was putting their music on myspace and thankfully yeah. you, you didn't have to do any of that we missed myspace by about a year from my last band and oh, i right. think we fucking i think we'd have done all right with myspace <laughs> Uh, Final band, but there we, we should go. set up a MySpace profile for this podcast. No, that's we the, should. There's do, yeah. one we're missing. Um, okay, well, there's your singles. There's some good stuff in that as well. I mean, nothing at all to talk about really in the the actual chart, but a lot of good stuff being released. Fair dues, yeah. man. Fair dues. All right. Well, I guess we're into the home straight of yeah, uh, the last oh, third of, of this record. Yes. Right, well, we're starting at track el- yeah, track 11 for this final bit, which is called Damn You. Damn you. Awful. Just beyond awful. See, I, I think this is big and beautiful, but again, it falls in that category of those of Prince tunes that don't really do loads for me. There are mm. some 
really lovely little vocal moments in, in this song. The bits when he says pimp rag, especially. Oh, yeah, pimp rag is yeah. fucking great. But, um, I mean, I've got nothing much to add to this. It's, okay. it's, it's a pretty fucking song. Uh, not my not my oeuvre at all, really. Well, yeah, I mean, this is wine bar jazz after dinner cack. And I've got my, a note. And maybe I was just uh, getting annoyed by this point, but I've, I've said that I think this is the worst so far. I mean, I, I don't think it's the worst song on the record. I, I think uh, it's the worst so far. I, I think uh, I think uh, "Sweet Baby" is a worse song than that. Oh, well, personally, I, mean, I find it very hard to differentiate between the two. But yeah. maybe it was because this is like, oh, fuck me, another one at this point. Uh, but at the same time, I know that there are an entire subset of people that really love it when he does this kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, yeah, idiots, of course. They're, they're, well, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, so and so then the outro for this song mm-hmm. is the intro to "Arrogance," which right, is yeah, the next song. So we'll play "Arrogance." Yep. Why are you so arrogant? Sounds like almost a bat dance sound. Yeah. yeah. Look, man, my notes then, for... My, what's happened here? Yeah. What? My, my notes for this song is, uh-huh. uh, it's short, yeah. and I hope he really enjoyed making it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's having a blast. Yeah. It's a lot of manic, discordant nonsense. Yeah. And it probably makes some context contextual sense in his opera thing that he's doing yeah, exactly I imagine it's long it's only a minute and a half so it's yeah. it's not a full song it is something like what is going on it's, it's absolutely mental well, it's, it's like Les Claypool's come in and done a bass solo and then he's got a bit of some some not John Zorn's a bit far but just someone to come in and go can you fuck this up a bit more well, you know it's, it's like you know the, the bit on uh, on Tubular Bells wasn't it when it's like oh, oh this that, is the, the joke track yeah and, indeed yeah but no, to be honest I don't mind this I think yeah. this is all right because it's so mental. I mean, I'll skip it. I would skip many, many other songs before I skip this. I think this is all right. <laughs> so, and then, and this rolls straight into track thirteen, which is called "The Flow." Indeed, right. And, so. and, and this is this is um, the one track on this album which was a reworked version of. This is the only one that came from the vault and wasn't specifically written for this project. Oh, I see. Okay, I see. All right, fair enough. So, look, I mean. The key thing about this is it really centres around another Tony M rap. Yeah, Prince is hardly on this, like, yeah. vocally. Yeah. So, look, it, this, this to me feels like a live jam, right? I would accept this at a gig to facilitate a costume change. Oh, I see, but yeah. But I don't right. get why you put it on a record. It, it, OK, it's, it is, it's one for the band. Like, introducing the new, yeah. new part generation, Tony M. Here's his Prin- spot. Prin- Prince is off getting a blowjob from a schoolgirl and having a bottle of Evian, which is no, full of seawater. Right. I see. Yeah, no, it could, could well be along those lines. Um... I can't find a hook in it again. And considering this is this is a very hip hop orientated track and it's just Tony M rapping, I don't. I, I find it strange that there's not a riff, a central thing that he's used yeah. to base the, the song on. It's just big old drums, which I'm all for, but I can't get my teeth into it. There's there's no real substance to it for me. Yeah. Now, and I, I agree. The flow is. I mean, obviously, it must be about period sex. That's yeah, I'd the flow. So, yeah. But and I say that because he's he's got form for that. Um. He obviously had uh, the one about water sports mm-hmm. while on the period Purple Rain. Yeah, he had that. Of course, yeah. He had um, that one about um, when you are left with a mark on your forehead after a 69, uh, Raspberry Beret. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing this is the third you, in the trilogy. You, you realise that we picked up a load of fans last week from our Frank, <laughs> for our frank conversations about mental health and loss. <laughs> yeah. 
And literally, we've just lost all of them with our jokes about paedophilia and fucking this. Period. Oh, yeah. fuck, I can't believe we're following that one up with this I one. I know. Mate, oh. that, that really is the other side of the coin. I'm ashamed of myself and you. Well, um, that's fair. So, yeah, look, so even as a, a self-confessed apologist, mm-hmm. this part of the album isn't really doing a great deal So far, not much, is there? No. And okay. it's like, well, 14, you know, and, and the 14th track on an 18-track album... Yeah. I mean, that can't be any good, No, can you, it? you're assuming that you've got nothing left yeah. at this point. But yeah, so track 14 yeah. is seven. Yeah. And this was the third single uh, released in December 92, got to number 27. And this was his most successful single from this album in the US. Uh, this was the big one that, that reached over there, but it only got to 27 over here. Now, the interesting thing about this song, right, uh-huh. is this is not only one of my favourite Prince songs, this is one of my favourite songs. Really? I fucking love this song. This is brilliant. And I, do you know this what, like, do you know what, I, I don't think I ever realised that it was on this record. Oh, I see, yeah. Because uh, I got into this song via the, the Hits record, which I just destroyed. I had that, that triple triple disc sure. Hits record. Um, and that's going to be a stormer of a, a, oh a my hit. God, it's Prince Hits record. is so good. Right. But yeah, this is a fucking belter of a tune. Uh, the, the the vocal production on this track, because mm-hmm. like, right, but like, okay, let's the, the, the vocal production on this is is gorgeous. There is so much going on. There is right. so many things, little fucking weird time stretches that I don't remember people doing time stretches on fucking All vocal right, tracks yeah. and stuff. There's little bits and pieces here and there. Just the layer of the fucking harmony on it. There's a lot of nice layering. It's incredible. You got this fuck. But I tell you what, I did realise on mm-hmm. a re-listen to this, right? Here's a good version of it. Right, you got that rolling beat sitting underneath, yep. right? And you got like these little fucking sword cuts and things like that in here, right? Yeah, yeah. This track, right? Not not necessarily with the, the, the guitar, but if you take the vocal away from this track, this is almost a fucking rizzer beat. Oh, okay. Like right. honestly, there are bits of this track and the way that it cuts with the the, the, the simple sample beat and the and the little kind of. Uh, samples that he puts in there and the little cuts on there. Yeah. It's so close to some of the production Interesting. on 36 Chambers. Right. A solid year before 36 Chambers comes out right, as well. Sure. Um, well, 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 okay. Look, and I don't know, ly- lyrically, I don't know what this song means. Well, it's, in terms of, as part of the rock opera thing, this yeah. is about the seven assassins who had killed I don't even uh, want I don't want I don't, I don't want anything to take away from how yeah. I feel about song. Like, I, I, I forgot, I, I genuinely, genuinely, genuinely wish this had been the first dance at my wedding. Oh, I, wow. I, I, I really loved, because like, we went around circles trying to agree on something for quite a while, uh-huh. and I think if I'd have remembered this song, I think this would have been the Ooh, fucking, that would have been, I, dude, oh, I mate, fucking wow. love this song. Wow, man. okay. I love this song, man. Like, I, I don't even, like, I love this song so much that I don't mind when the bit of an Eastern feel comes in. And it does as well, yeah. And it really like, does. Well, the video is full of belly dancing and stuff, yeah. like, Maite my, my doing her belly dancing yeah. stuff. It's also full of a lot of children dressed as belly dancers doing belly dancing you wouldn't do that these days Uh, but yeah the eastern feel is absolutely part of the whole thing but it works brilliantly this is a fucking stormer of a song oh my god his head and shoulders the best song on the album oh without a doubt Um, and like you say this is one of Prince's best songs for me I'd say I I, I don't know as many as you do but this is up there why would you put this 14th on an 18 track album And and single number three what an Odd. I mean, this yeah. is such a good song, man. Yep. 
Yeah. It, yeah, it just, yeah. Well, this is the thing for me is it's actually got a tune. It's got a real tune to it mm-hmm. in the way, you know, my favourite Prince songs are probably um, Alphabet Street yeah. and uh, and Raspberry Beret those, and Get Off. Yeah. Get Off, not so much, it doesn't fit in so well with what I'm trying to say here because it's not a tune tune. But those ones are just brilliant songs mm-hmm. and ones I go away and it's stuck in my head. And this is stuck in my head. Yeah. But, you know, but get off, I still got... Oh, it absolutely does. It's got the riff in it, for sure. But uh, this has, has everything I want in a Prince song. This has got everything I want in a song, really. I, right. I, I fucking... I loved, I loved this song dearly. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I kind of... Uh, like, yeah, I, uh, it really kind of took me by surprise, like to the point when I was first listening to this record and this song came on, I was like, "Oh, Spotify! Spotify is uh, oh, it's, the, the album must have finished, and, oh, and, and now it's really, and now it's playing other songs." Well, it doesn't doesn't fit in with this album. Oh, of course, it doesn't. No. Right? This, um, there's not really a cohesive feel no, to this album. No, because um, this reminds me of other songs as well, but I can't quite place them. It's just the sounds, uh, some of the guitar bits, some of the beat. It reminds me of other things. And um, just funnily enough, one of them was. Zoe, Sunshine and a Rainy Day. Oh, nice. that. The, it, something in there reminds me of that. I mean, just, feel. just just to preempt it, right? Yeah. If the words cooler shake come out of your mouth, we're fighting. <laughs> we're fighting. That's Govinda. God, of <laughs> course it was. Okay, well, look, we're at 14, track 14, the third single, and that is. That's redeemed an awful lot for me because that yeah. is brilliant. And, and I mean, we almost really should stop there I think but it, quite we must continue no, we, there are a couple more to get through so number 15 <laughs> and just to co-opt something and yet they persisted <laughs> quite. fucking don't at me girls please I fucking yeah, I, we're, we're not trying to claim it oh my god we're not I, I, uh. anyway right so uh, okay so and God created woman mm-hmm. which is this one. Oh, I've got an interesting note for the first bit of this let's listen uh, to the intro right My note says, this sounds like Phil Collins. Phil Collins? Listen. Think twice. <laughs> See, my note says it sounds like it was made in 1983 with a Sade tribute band covering Spandau Ballet. Yeah, I mean... Sappy rubbish. It's... it's. I mean, there's not really... Uh, again, I've written skip next to this one. It's yeah. okay. There's not enough to get my teeth into. There's not enough... Like, and I say that from a, a point of view of... There's nothing that I'm looking for that I'm finding in it, and, I've, I've, yeah. and like I say to you, I have listened to this record a lot of times right. to give. So you know, like stuff that you know. Full disclosure: some of the stuff that I've been, uh, you know, oh, I, I didn't like. You know, I, I've liked more than you. I didn't like on first listen. Oh, I see. Okay, but a few times in, gets under your skin, sort of thing. Right. So not much on that. So then, next nah. track is Three Chains of Gold. Right. So track sixteen. And my first note is, oh, it's six minutes long, is it? Brilliant. And that's just the start of it. Well, well this is such a strange... Because this is a title track yeah. for the film, right, if you think of it as a soundtrack. Well, I've written and this here, is all over the place. I've written Kate Bush vibes. Okay. There's definitely a kind of a Kate Bushy kind of thing. And, like, I mean, tonally, this is insane. It's mad. I mean, it's utterly gonzo, completely yeah. overblown. Yeah. Within it's, the first minute of this, he's just... Five different songs. The, the, so much of this is—it's like something Queen would have like experimented with in the studio in the seventies, and then gone. Oh no, this is a bit much. Yeah, exactly. When they were putting their Flash album, uh, the soundtrack together, gone. Oh no, this is maybe a bit oh, silly, yeah, isn't no. it? It's oh, too is, silly. Is, it, oh, is, is this too camp? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's... Mental. Uh, look, right? It's interesting, if nothing else. Fine. Right? Yes. It's very long, I've written here. Yes. It kind of... It places... It kind of gives me a bit of a Brazil Terry Gilliam feel with it some is. of the okay. weird shitty spouting about his... I mean, God only knows what he's trying to say in this. I mean, look, th- I mean, this album is fucking nuts, right? It, it is. Like, even, it, like, no matter how much I like bits of it, right, it mm. is a bizarre piece of work as a record. Indeed it is. And this is it at its most Oh, this bizarre. is peak bizarre, yeah. yeah. This is, it's all been building towards this mentalness. Yeah, this yeah. is like, this is like, you know, add water to this and you've got, like, Ribena-flavoured weirdness. Yeah. You but, know. I've got to know, like... I, at this point, I'm wondering if he's taking the piss. Mm. You know, is he going? Wonder what I can get away with. Uh, I, I've, I've I've seen some really bad off-Broadway musicals, and I wonder if I pretended to write a song for one of them, what would it sound like? And this is what's happened. Mm. Uh, one bit I do like in this: there's a guitar solo in the middle, yeah. which is kind of fun because the, oh, the yeah. boy can play guitar. And when he's doing this ridiculous rock opera stuff, which yeah. is what this song is. What else are you going to do except have a fucking out there guitar solo? So he does. Oh, yeah. And there's melodrama for the last two whole minutes of this song, which is a lot of fun. Yeah. But it's just crazy. Uh, the, the thing that this kind of reminds me most of, weirdly, is that... Do you remember that? The, I think we ended up putting it on the playlist, that really weird Fleetwood Mac song. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That was fucking out there as well. Like, I mean, this is nuts. This 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 mm. belongs on, like, a fucking Mike Oldfield record or something. It's, yeah. it's odd prog nonsense. This is the sort of thing that you'd expect to come up in a vault release and you go... Fucking hell, I'm not surprised this never made it onto a record. Yeah, 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 yeah. But no, there you go. This is this is the title track for the soundtrack. Exactly. Three Chains of Gold. I mean, on, on yeah. a record, on a record that is arguably at least half an hour too long, mm-hmm. it's a bold move. It really is. It really is. Yeah. So then we go into Segway 2. Yeah. So which is, again, uh, Kirstie Alley as the, the reporter. Um, it's just another bit of kind of plot. Yeah, I mean, I've I've just got a one word note on this, and it just says nonsense. Oh, total nonsense! But this is the bit where uh, the reporter is saying, "Well, what about the princess being sixteen years old? Mm-hmm. Is, is that uh, true?" And so, so he's again, he's just yeah. letting you know it's all out there. Uh, he's doubling down on the fact that I mean, how old's Prince at this point? In mid thirties? Yeah. Okay. So that's just a, a kind of a little bit of. Uh, Nothingness at track 17. Then the final track, number 18, is The Sacrifice of Victor. Okay, so this is a big discount in Screed on racism and other topics. Yes. It's a little bit funky. Yeah, well, it's incredibly unfocused. It's, it's elements of Get Off, which I like, yeah. but it's, it just reminds me about Get Off rather than makes me like this. Yeah, I look, this, this, this whole track is essentially a big outro, right? Which is a suitably self-indulgent way to end this record. Mm, yeah. But you, there's never a situation, I can't imagine, where you're going to go, do you know what I'm going to put on? I'm going to put on... Sacrifice of Victor. No, absolutely not. No, and especially for me at this point, the last song on the album, and I did, I listened to this a few times as well, mm-hmm. and by every time I was going, all right, yeah, yeah at least it's nearly over. That was all I was getting. I, I don't think there's anything to this tune. I don't think, in, in terms of the subject matter, okay, some bits of it, yeah, of course, yeah. fine, I agree with what you're saying, but 
all it's doing is just going on and on without any real balls mm-hmm. to it. Right. But there you go, 18 okay. tracks. Okay, so now I'm going to... We will sum up the record at this yep. point, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to... What I'm going to try and do for a second... Right, is I'm gonna I'm gonna step outside of myself, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna tell you right as as the guy who normally sits on pop collaborator listen and reviews albums that like this to me is a very self indulgent, overblown uh, record that needed editing throughout uh-huh. uh, and has absolute moments of genius on it. Okay, sure, right? yeah, that's where that I sounds, am with that it. Sounds nice, objective as a fucking album. You know, I, I don't think this is a successful album mm-hmm. uh, as a as an objective fan of pop music, uh, as a pop record or whatever. Right, that that's where I am with that. Fine. Where I am as me mm-hmm. is, I really enjoyed going through this yeah. record. It's it's got moments that I'm that I have to fucking apologise for, but I'm going to continue to listen to this album. As a whole, really, you, you are you yeah. very happy that you, yeah. you this was one we did? Yeah, you and I'm probably, it. I'm probably gonna, I'm, I, you know, when it when it gets to the time on my ongoing, uh, per, uh, like rebuy of all Prince's albums on okay, vinyl, sure. will I skip this? No, will I fuck? Really? I will listen, I will listen to this, and I'll listen to it on vinyl sometimes. <laughs> nice, I will. Is it the best fucking thing in the world? No, no. Is there enough on it that really annoys me to take me out of my day whilst it plays in the background? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So that's where I am. Okay. I think I know where you are, but please do tell I th- us. I think there are two songs on here that I really quite enjoy. Yep. And I think the rest is either average mm-hmm. or awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's more awful than is is allowable on a record. I understand yeah. and can completely see that point of view. I, I will never go back to this album. Oh, no, I know. I, 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 I wouldn't expect you no. to, unless... You spent several years immersed in the other records mm-hmm. and went back to it. And seeing as I know that, yeah. you know, you're not really like a fan of an indulgent album. You're less inclined no, to give not. these things a break than I am. Very true. I can't argue with you. Yeah. No, no. I don't necessarily agree no, with you. No, we got very different things out of this. I'm very happy that you had such a good time. Yeah. I didn't have a bad time, but I came out going... Yeah, that's not yeah. even close to what I want. And to, and to be clear, right, if I was trying to go to you, like a, a singles fan, going, ah, do you know what, Prince albums actually are a thing of great brew. This yeah. is not the one you I would project, fucking choose. That. No, absolutely not. I will put one of these songs onto a playlist and never think of it again. But if you're listening to this record, you haven't listened to this album for a long while, you are a fan of Prince, You're, a, you know, and you're a fan of, of Prince albums... I would recommend going and have a listen to this. You might want to have your skip button ready. Sure. But, you know, yeah. you, I would dig out more than some of the singles to say to things that I liked in this. But there right. we go. So, playlist. Playlist. Um, I mean, my, my default uh, position would be there's one obvious one and no other obvious ones. So, I think we both agree seven is going on. Yeah. That's given. Do you want to put another one on? If we were going to find consensus mm-hmm. on another one, it'd be My Name is Prince, yeah. I think. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. The album really, objectively, by our standards, is probably a one-track album. Mm-hmm. But My Name is Prince is a fucking good song. But this is the question. It's like, what is the purpose of the playlist? Right. right. Is, it to, is it to showcase the highlights of the record? Is it to give you a feel of it? Is it for when you're listening to the playlist, good songs come on and you get into them? Because I think for the majority of those, we make a case for putting uh, My Name is Prince on. Right. 
if we want to showcase a different side of Prince that singles listeners haven't got, I don't think we'd be able to agree on one. No, I, no. Well, there's no other one I want to put on there. At sure. All. I would say it's more about these are the best songs off these albums. We're cherry picking. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm I'm happy with. So we, we're we going to just go with seven. I would just go with seven. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. I, th- I think that's enough because it's so good. I would, given my druthers, yeah. add My Name is Prince and probably uh, Morning Papers or quite possibly uh, Love to the Nines as well. I really like Love to the really? Nines. Right. Uh, and possibly the Max. <laughs> the Max. Fuck it out. The Max. And Blue Light for some uh, And No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I'd, I'd stop short of that. But I want to melt with you as well, I'd fucking consider. Wow, I, you've got a I, lot more love for the I, 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 I want to melt with you, actually. If I was, if it was like, okay, put a second track on here that just represents, I'd put that on because that's the most, wow. I think that's the most interesting one in a lot of reasons, yeah. in a lot of ways. Anyway, so there we go. So that's, that's it. That's um, guys, we'll be back next week with a special episode on Rage Against Machines, a debut self-titled album. Yes, indeed. That's going to be good fun. Uh, we're going to have a, a good time with that one, I think. I think we are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for listening and uh, let get in touch via social media. Let us know what you thought and we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com.